0: What's up, everybody? It's Sathya Sam here, and welcome to Unleash the Man Within. Thank you guys so much for listening. It is an exciting week here in the Deep Clean community. We have launched the last relapse. It is off to a blazing start, and just getting some great comments, seeing it rank on Amazon. We hit number one, which was really cool, and a whole bunch of other things that have just got me really grateful, really thankful, and feeling really blessed. And what I am doing in just a handful of episodes here, this won't go on for too long, but I wanted to read to you a couple sections from the book. And these are sections that I'm particularly proud of. In yesterday's episode, I was talking about how writing is art, really. And art is a funny thing because I think, for me at least, I've rarely engaged in any kind of creative project and at the end felt like, yeah, this is done. Usually what happens is there's still a thousand things that you could do, but you either reach a deadline or you just get tired and you're like, you know what? These other thousand things are all pretty small and I'm happy with a majority of what I've created. And I kind of feel that way about my book. Uh, To be honest, I'm a little bit different in the sense that I generally actually love what I create. You know, when I was a recording artist, I loved my albums and the songs I wrote. And of course, there's always things you could improve or do differently, but I rarely looked at them through this lens. And uh, I think that's actually because I love myself. And, you know, the way that we view our creations tends to be a reflection of how we view ourselves. And as people learn to love themselves more, they tend to love what they create more as well. And God, of course, is the best example we have of that because he created everything and he said it is good. (laughs) And if he didn't, it would be more a reflection of him than anything else. So uh, anyway, food for thought, but not where I'm going at all with this today. Um, What I wanted to read from is a section that I'm really proud of. And this is a section that I don't think I would even touch if I had the option to because it just, it turned out really cool. And it's really one of the most common concepts that we get feedback about. Like when I go and speak on this at events or at churches or whatever, like I've had people come up to me and they're like, I'm going to make a sign that, that has some of these statements because they're just so powerful. And that's really cool. And, and actually, you know, uh, most people wouldn't know this. They, they wouldn't even get this information. But the the sort of major concept of this section I'm about to read to you actually came to me when I was 24 years old. So seven years ago. And I remember, you know, it I, I was just like, I had this moment. And you know when you have this thought and you're like, that is way smarter than anything I could ever come up with, that must be God. And I remember writing it down and I was an intern at the ministry school that I had attended at the time. And so once a week we got the guys together or actually I think it was once a month. And anyways, it just so happened that week that, you know, we were all together and I was leading it and I shared this thought. And like everybody got out their notepad and started writing it down. They were like, "Bro, say that again. What was that? Can you can you give that to me one more time?" And so, um, anyways, it was just it it's a really it was just cool to see people respond. And it is pretty amazing that you know seven eight years later, the same concept is still really impacting people's lives. So, uh, this title of this section is called "Get Your Garden Gloves," and this is from a chapter called "Renewing Your Mind and Rewiring Your Brain." Really, one of my favorite chapters of the book. So here we go. Human nature leans towards judgment in areas we understand well and toward amazement in areas we know little about. For example, I am a communicator. I love speaking and writing and anything that involves communicating. So naturally, I am quite critical of communicators and communication in general. I pay close attention when someone speaks, especially if it's in a formal setting like a speech or a sermon. I notice the intonation and cadence, the word choice and conjugations. It's a blessing in some ways, but other times it's a curse. My wife and I have gotten into fights because I get nitpicky about her word choice in an argument, not my greatest moments as a husband to say the least. On the flip side, I am a horrible gardener. I couldn't keep a palm tree alive in Cancun. I don't know what it is, but anytime someone has asked me to water their garden while they're on holiday or look after an office plant, it dies. I'm like the grim reaper of gardens. It's just better if I don't touch it. And it's for this reason that I marvel at my wife, who is the complete opposite. She is a pro-gardener. She knows the names of hundreds of plants and flowers, and she knows how to take care of them properly. Even if a plant is dying because, for example, the grim gardener laid his hands on it, she knows how to nurse it back to life. I simply watch in amazement. Who said opposites don't attract? While I am amazed, I am equally grateful that I am not the one with gardening skills. Gardening is hard work. I'm the, I'm the guy who ran over the weeds with the lawnmower. Remember, 16-year-old Cynthia had no interest in uprooting the weeds in his parents' backyard. Much easier to just run them over. Cynthia today has not changed much on this front as far as lawn care goes, but I love that I've married someone who enjoys gardening because the end result of my wife's labor is glorious. Our yard looks clean and the house feels fresh. My aversion to gardening is how many men approach thought life. Too much hard work, so why bother? Most men haven't been told that they are the gardener of their minds and if they're not careful, their thoughts will start to bear ugly fruit. You see, every thought is a seed. It takes root when you agree with it, grows as you repeat it, and bears fruit when you act on it. Read those last two sentences again to make sure you got it. We have been given a responsibility to govern our thoughts in such a way that our mind becomes a lush garden. And here's the statements again, guys. Every thought is a seed, it takes root when you agree with it, grows as you repeat it, and bears fruit when you act on it. If you have not assumed responsibility in this area, your garden is probably a mess. Gardens do not stay nice on their own for long. Regular maintenance is required. This is why if you sit around waiting for a preacher or a quick fix to magically heal your mind, you will be waiting until kingdom come. You may have breakthrough moments where your mind is clear and it feels like everything has changed. But without a follow-through and regular maintenance, those moments of mental clarity will be short-lived. If your thought life feels messy, it might be because you haven't been gardening. You entertain many thoughts in a day. They are merely seeds, potent, but not planted. If you entertain the thought, now it has taken root. You have made agreement with it. Agreement is not the same as acknowledgement. Agreement is a partnership, whereas acknowledgement is an acquaintance. I try to acknowledge my thoughts as much as possible, even the ugly ones. It's better to look them in the eyes than to run away. To agree is to engage. Most thoughts you have in a day should be acknowledged and disposed of immediately afterward. Few are worth your engagement. At an early stage of agreement, little damage or benefit has been done. The thought is simply unpacking its potential. However, as you dwell on it, meditate on it, think on it, the plant starts to grow. Now the thought is gaining influence, and with continued repetition, it will gain prominence. Anything you dwell on becomes magnified. The enemy knows that if he can get you to entertain a lie long enough, the rest will take care of itself. The recurrence of ungodly thoughts is usually instigated by the enemy, but fueled by our inability to govern our thoughts. As a result, damaging thoughts begin to wreak havoc. Similarly, godly thoughts begin to abound when you identify the truth. This is the covert nature of thought development because we sometimes entertain thoughts without realizing the downstream impact. Learn to catch thoughts early in the process and you will have much more success preventing ungodly thought patterns and encouraging godly mentalities instead. The longer a thought sticks around, the more likely it is that it will result in action. Eventually, the plant bears fruit as you act on the thought. Action is the greatest reinforcer of thought. It is more effective than motivational speaking or affirmation or authority or anything else. To act on a thought is to solidify it. Furthermore, just as fruit carries the seeds of reproduction, so do thoughts. As you act on them, you increase the likelihood of repeating those thoughts and accompanying behaviors, especially if the outcome of the action was rewarding in some way. One of the biggest lies the enemy wants us to believe is that our small actions don't matter. What's a little white lie? Or a little fudging of the numbers? They do matter. Actions reinforce beliefs. If you have a good belief system and you start to behave outside of it even slightly, you will either have to correct the behaviors or change the beliefs. The incongruence will not last. This is why we must remain in control even in the most distressing moments. We will often justify poor behavior or decisions because we were having a bad day or we were feeling really strongly about something. But regardless of circumstance, ultimately those behaviors will reinforce belief choose carefully. Now let me be clear, we want to validate the emotions. Those are totally justifiable, but the ensuing actions should stay aligned with your personalized truth. If you give yourself permission to deviate from the truth in weak or challenging moments, then you don't fully believe it. You just enjoy reaping its rewards when it's convenient. Your actions matter and the goal is that our lives reflect and regularly reinforce our truth in our attitudes and actions. So that's, uh, that is called Get Your Garden Gloves. It's page 174, if you want to be really technical, uh, to 176, I think, 177. In chapter seven of The Last Relapse, which is Renewing Your Mind, Rewiring Your Brain, And if you want to get your hands on Last Relapse, guys, it's available on all major platforms. It's number one on Amazon right now. And we do have the audiobook available. So if you liked the sound of my voice and maybe you're just more of a listener than you are actually reading a physical book, then, hey, you can get your hands on it. It's on Audible and all the other audiobook platforms as well. So that's everything for today, guys. Short and sweet, nice and simple. And I hope that, you know, um, you really take this concept to heart because the reality is if you manage your thought life well, and you apply some of the principles and concepts that we're talking about here, uh, your life will dramatically, dramatically improve. Uh, All of the major transformations that have taken place in my life have come because I changed my thinking. And the same will be true for you as well. So God bless you guys. Have an amazing day. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. It's Sathya again. Thanks for listening to Unleash the Man Within.